everybody. My name is Bo Allen. I'm Jacob Rodier. And we are here to introduce our new podcast. It's called Animation, Broadcast, and Cinema. And uh, the basic format of it is we're going to be uh, each week doing uh, movie news and just stuff upcoming uh, that we're looking forward to and stuff maybe that we've seen recently that we really liked and covering box office and stuff. And um, then after that, we're going to be covering a new movie every week that uh, our fans vote on on our Twitter polls um, at ABC Movie Show. And go follow us. Yes. And um, because our sponsor magazine is Album Book Club magazine, and they do weekly uh, picks by their fans and their supporters on uh, different albums to listen to and talk about. And we wanted to bring that to a podcast format. Yep. All right. Uh, and so why don't we just jump right into it with what has been going on with the summer box office? Because it's been weird. It has. Um, so do you know what, if you had to take a guess, I, I don't think I told you to look at this. What do you think the biggest uh, weekend opening was? What movie? So I kind of pay attention to box office, but not not avidly. I'd say my guess would probably be Godzilla versus Kong because that was like the first big movie that happened after COVID kind of died off a little bit. The theater started to open back up. Um, so I think that is the biggest uh, weekend of the year. Uh, biggest weekend um, here. Hang on. Uh, I, I was talking about the summer specifically. Oh, like uh, the full box office? Yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing it's not Godzilla vs. Kong? No, because that was a little, a little bit earlier than that. Mm. Um, oh, wait, know. no, it's it's still not even Godzilla vs. Kong. I don't know what it would be. Um, that would be my guess. No, it's so it's Black Widow. Oh, duh. <laughs> which opened i think at 80 mil and this is but just theaters right not including streaming this is just theaters gotcha it was shown on four thousand. um it was shown on four thousand screens and yeah. it grossed 181 and in its opening weekend it did 80 million so mm. 100 million after that but the thing is, and that's so weird to me, or I guess not weird, the big problem that I see is that this, like, 181 mil, that, that's usually, what, the opening for a movie like this, right? Right, like, yeah. A big Marvel movie like that, and Scarlett Johansson's a big name. Her movies always get big draws, no matter what. Um, and How I much did it make to, on streaming? Um, I don't know if Disney's release, even released that yet, because I think mm. they started playing that closer to the chest after this whole um you know loss Johansson that, debacle yeah yeah which is a whole other problem yeah um, ridiculous how we're, how we're gonna have to start paying um you know actors and whether or not like all right how much bigger a budget's gonna have to get if actors don't want to take points on box office anymore like yeah 
Well, I feel like their their situation is very specific because they made a deal before COVID was even a thing. And then after COVID happened, they still were going off their old deal. And now she's getting all mad about it, which I agree with her. It kind of makes sense. I should have um, I mean, negotiated. I'd totally get upset too, because I mean, other there's been other movies that have had completely theatrical runs. Um, a Quiet Place started off theatrical, but I think that got pulled earlier than... Krasinski even wanted, but it still did what two two months in theaters. Yeah, I think so. Around there. Um, but Emma Stone and Cruella, I think she had a similar deal, and they almost um, she almost started a lawsuit. Yeah, I wonder if this is going to be like a domino effect moving forward. Now, I know she was very much hyping up Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Um, no, and props just, to them. Yeah, I mean. And another thing I was, I was listening to the big picture, which is another great movie podcast. They were mm-hmm. talking about if this is going to affect like studios wanting to work with Scarlett Johansson in the future. Cause that's what we usually see after, you know, somebody tries to take a stand like that against a big studio, especially one with the power like Disney. Yeah. Well, good thing that was her last uh, Marvel movie in Disney. <laughs> oh, that's the only reason she went for that. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes sense. But yeah, I don't think other companies are going to care as much. I feel like this is just between her and Disney and the other studios. She's a big enough name role. They'll take her no matter what. Yeah, she's a big draw. But this like dual release thing, I saw, I've seen people like the Venom 2. That's one that just got pushed back. Uh, I think in the last week it went from September to October. And in the comments, I saw people saying like, just release it on streaming. No one wants to go to the movie theaters. Just put it on HBO Max. Just put it on Disney Plus. This one that's besides, not doing a dual release. It's going to only theaters. It's only theaters, which mm-hmm. I am personally very excited about. I love that stupid first movie, and I'm so excited to see Woody Harrelson do a bad Southern accent the whole time. <laughs> yeah, like, the first one was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, and it didn't take itself terribly. too seriously. No, and it shouldn't. I mean, it's a it's a big dumb movie about a yeah. big dumb Marvel character. Um, right. And, and this one Sony is fully releasing? Yeah. So besides people not knowing anything about deals, obviously, because that would not go on Disney Plus and it wouldn't go on HBO Max or it might, but, you know, pe- people don't typically want to put stuff on streaming platforms aren't there that aren't theirs. And, um, I mean, this the dual release thing, I've tried to go to the movie theaters a bunch, but dual release is so convenient that i've even fallen into it a lot like have you been doing that a lot this summer honestly i've been trying to go to the theater as much as i can just for my my local theaters but with the dual release thing at first i was initially incredibly upset with the decision especially when the directors came out and said the directors had no idea this was even happening to their movies originally like that's that's kind of fucked up that these these big studios didn't even give them a heads up or anything. Yeah, the tenant one I remember that was uh, Nolan was really upset about that, right? Because didn't they try to dual release that too? I don't know if it was his movie, but obviously he's very close to Warner Brothers since all his movies are made by them, and right. they were the ones who made the HBO decision. So I think he was advocating for a lot of the other directors as well, and obviously he's a big theater guy himself, so. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking at the list right now. I've watched 25 movies that have come out in 2021 and, uh, two, three, 
Uh, I've only seen four of them in theaters, five of them, sorry. And yeah. I mean, you know, usually my number for that is way more. And I don't know if it's has to do with the amount of unremarkable movies we that have come out this summer. I don't think it's been a particularly strong summer. Um, or just whether or not it's the convenience of it. I know for me, Suicide Squad was one that I really anticipated because I love James Gunn and it just looked really funny and looked like it was going to be awesome on the big screen. And I mm-hmm. couldn't get to it opening weekend. I planned on it and I wasn't able to make it. And then a couple of days later, my buddy, I was like watching a baseball game at his house. And afterwards he was like, do you want to watch the Suicide Squad? I have HBO Max. And I was like, yeah, it's just so convenient. Yeah, it really is. And like, it's tough because I know like Denis Villeneuve, he's came out a bunch, especially with Dune during the door release. And he's kind of really upset about his thing, his movie doing the door release and being, he wants it only in theaters because it's a, it's a big screen experience. I think he says, um, but I don't know. It's tough because I'm obviously, a, I'm a big movie theater advocate. I think you should definitely go and see it on the big screen if you can. But I also get because of COVID that this year has been tough and these, these past two years have been tough and that these companies need to make money some way. And people, it's just the harsh reality that people aren't going to go to the theaters as much as they hope. So they got to figure out some solution. Yeah. And uh, movie theater prices are brutal right now. That's like, true. Yeah. I, the, I'm a big movie theater advocate as well. And the ones that like I went and saw Free Guy and i think it caught i paid for my girlfriend and i and i think it cost me like 60 dollars. like imagine like say like um 30 dollars like, a ticket well we got that's like with popcorn and drinks mm, yeah and because i mean I'm, I'm eating popcorn if i'm going to see free guy like i I'm always not... tell people that movie theaters are a food business a hundred all their money but they were 15 dollar tickets right and yeah. it was like a matinee showing too. So it should, I thought it would have been cheaper. But like, you know, I'm a free guy, I'm getting popcorn. If I'm going to see Annette, uh, I'm not getting popcorn for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. A quiet place too. I'm not getting popcorn for that. Um, but it's, it's so expensive. And so, I mean, if you're taking, say you, you have a family and you want to take them to go see the new Pixar movie, mm-hmm. that's going to cost at least a hundred dollars because the kids are going to want popcorn and drinks and stuff like that. Yeah. And say you have two kids and it's $15 tickets, like either that, or you can pay $20 and watch it on Disney plus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the Denis article right now. And he said that this is quote quoting from him. Dune is a movie that has been made as a tribute to the big screen experience and should be only be viewed that way. I 100% agree with that. It's like the movie that we're talking about um, today for the recap section, Avatar. Could you imagine that being released and uh, having people watch it on tablets or iPhones? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, not the same. It would, oh, it's it's kind of... It's like especially some movies, just like especially these big grand movies. uh, I really do think they should be only in theaters, at least for a certain amount of time. Like, I feel like a good solution would be, which would also help the theater business as well, which is slowly dying, is that these big releases like Dune or, I don't know, any of these other ones that came out, Suicide Squad, they should have, 
at least like three to four weeks, like a month of time where they're just in theaters. And then right after they go directly to streaming. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. That's the way Paramount's been doing it. And I really mm-hmm. like that because it made a bunch of people have to go see A Quiet Place too. And even that um, still, I think that was the third place at highest box office uh, mm-hmm. this, this as a total this summer. The yeah. highest was uh, F9, the second highest, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is awesome. I love I loved that movie for so many stupid reasons. I really hope they keep going, which I think they will because of the amount of money it's making. Um, yeah. Oh my God, I could I'll watch twenty five of those movies, and then yeah, uh, keep and them coming. Jungle Cruise, and then Cruella, and then Free Guy. Um, which I actually really enjoyed Free Guy, but a lot of people really hated. I have not um, seen it yet. It's good. Um, and then the biggest weekend release. Uh, was that 80 million opening for black widow and then f9 was the second highest i think that was in the 70 millions Mm. and but i mean f9 you couldn't stream that one right yeah i mean no you you have to go see that i saw it opening day um and they made a lot of money yep um i read an article today that um Tenet, which came out a year ago, basically last summer, which is crazy to think about, uh, that they currently during the COVID time period have the highest box office, mm-hmm. which is crazy because I remember when it came out, everyone was like, oh, it's bombed at box office. It didn't do well, but it's still holding that number one spot during COVID. Oh, yeah, because that movie was supposed to be like the biggest one of that year, even if COVID-19 hadn't happened. Yeah. It was the most anticipated. Everyone was freaking out about it. I was freaking out about it. Even mm-hmm. and now I'm very much cooled down on that movie. And um, as much as people give it flack, episode. it still did super well. I know. I, I don't remember if it continued doing well after that opening weekend, though, because I know it had a very, very strong opening weekend. And then, yeah, and it also stayed in theaters a lot longer than it all was these in other theaters. movies have. Mm-hmm for so long and it didn't get put on hbo max until i think like february or something yeah like that. it was a long time because they, yeah they're really milking that thing that was the only way that people could go see it um it was also the only movie out at that time really there were like a couple like small indies and that was about it but i mean like there there's a bunch of movies that i've seen on like i saw black widow once in theaters um and then I watched it again with my girlfriend and did it on Disney Plus and you can and she owns it pretty much now until she has it until it comes out on streaming and then she can watch it on the streaming. Like, so is that what happens when you buy it? You just own yeah. it forever? I was always curious about that. Yeah, you get mm. it. So like and like if you have little kids, like I was saying earlier, they want to watch Pixar. Like if you show them a Pixar, I watched Toy Story. I broke the VHS tape. <laughs> it, you could play it put it on for them yeah. anytime and they'll be quiet yeah it's, it'll it's awesome no it is really but it's great. terrible for business and i really like pig uh i, I rented on apple mm. i should have seen it in theaters that movie is fantastic yeah i saw um, it in theaters it's great but um and after watching it i wish i'd seen a net in theaters mm. but um, that was a crazy experience yeah, you've been a little bit better about that than I have. No, it's but, tough during this time, which is which is why they're doing is. this. And you know, whether it's about 
whether you're not going to theaters because of COVID stuff or just because of convenience, like it's something that needs to be figured out. The movie business is about to get hurt. Do you think, do you think in the future when COVID is hopefully not a thing anymore, are they still going to do this dual release thing? I don't see how it's going to go away. Like Mm. Disney's getting their money. Yeah. Distribution is where the money's at. And if they don't have to send print like or i guess it's not even sending prints out anymore but if they don't have to send the little hard drives they send out to theaters and like they can save a buck there yeah if they don't have to send it to as many theaters like small towns aren't going to get black widow is shang chi the new marvel movie is that going to be on disney plus as well um i think that will be on disney plus but i'm definitely going to see that in theaters yeah Um, i mean i i don't know why it wouldn't be since black widow was Oh my God, that's Scarlett Johansson's gonna be pissed. Shang-Chi is just in theaters. Wow. I wonder how they're gonna pick and choose that. I think you muted yourself, Jacob. <laughs> uh, I hope you weren't making a great point right there. Um, but yeah, so while Jacob is fixing his audio, the dual release thing is going to cause problems in the future i don't see places going away i don't see streamers going away from this i think jacob's back hey can you hear me yes sorry um but like with the strategies of it you were exactly right in that it needs to be brought do maybe a month in theaters if you are going to do a release at hbo max does that weird thing where they put it in theaters and on the streamer on the exact same time and then they take it off after a month and it's only in theaters. Everybody's going to watch it on the streamer. Just flip that. Right. It's so, it's such a weird time and it's freaky. And if like, what's it going to look like if the theater experience just completely disappears? I just, I don't see that happening. Uh, it, I mean, <laughs> it's, or I just, I if, it, if, it get, if it gets to the point where people are thinking like, okay, yes, some people are going to go see this in theaters, but only in big markets, like, or at film festivals or stuff like that. I feel like this door release did show that even with this door release happening, that people will still go to the theaters, especially for these big movies like Black Widow and the Marvel movies and all the F9. Okay, so more specifically, what's going to happen to smaller indie theaters? Indie, Indie, not theaters, sorry, indie movies yeah i or stuff that tough. isn't marble do you know how much annette has grossed in its run worldwide 20 dollars. <laughs> or actually oh my god it wasn't even released on u.s screens what yep it was a solely international release two million dollars two million seven hundred twenty seven thousand yikes do you know its, it's budget uh it had i imagine it was actually pretty big because there's some or not you know, decently large. It didn't make it back. There's no way it made it back. It probably made like it, 10 million. It probably made it back off of like uh, the deal it has with Amazon Prime, but right, it's not doing that in pure ticket revenue. No yeah, because that was that was advertised as going right to Amazon Prime and then kind of like a small theater release. Um, hang on, details box. Office. Oh wait. Oh, this might this fifteen million estimated on IMDb might be like based yeah, on not accurate. 
I, I don't know what this is domestic or oh, oh sorry jesus christ i read that wrong it's this budget 15 million 500,000 yeah and that's not Yikes. even taking that's not even taking into account the advertising which honestly for that movie was not huge but um, yeah, bezos can pay him back i mean yeah i'm sure but uh Candyman debuted at what 22 million and it was a big deal that it knocked off the previous holder which was free guy at 20 million like yeah it's tough and rookie numbers those are big i mean those are big. free guy was a really a heavily anticipated movie like i have for, i was talking about that movie with some of my friends when the first trailer came out before it came out so wasn't 4, that like 000. two years ago i feel like it was so long ago i saw that so first trailer. Long. it was definitely before the pandemic started yeah and it was four thousand theaters and 28 million opening mm. and so like a movie like Annette, which is it has no shot a movie like pig oh my god yeah i mean it's that it's toast it's dead in the water and those are the kinds of movies that like like disney owns fox searchlight now are they gonna say hey this is going straight to disney plus mm. yeah i don't know i mean I feel like a lot of the only chance these indie movies have at making like a good budget is when they get Oscar press. Like if they get an Oscar nomination or a Golden Globe or whatever, because then they always do that re-release back in theaters and that's usually when they make their most money. So I feel like, unfortunately, indie movies are really only going to have that like sweet spot if they make it into the Oscars or Golden Globes where they'll make their money back. Yeah, see, that's the problem is that I don't want to have to like, I mean, Athens is not a huge town. We have two big, theaters and an indie theater so maybe i'll be able to see it on the indie theater if disney even chooses to send it out or maybe that theater is going to go out of business but like i just looked up pig made nine hundred seventy thousand open weekend opening weekend it doesn't have any information on how many theaters it is in off box box office mojo made three million in its whole run sixty thousand international which doesn't surprise me i don't think the intricacies of truffle hunting in portland oregon are very interesting to people although nick cage is like a pretty big name i feel like a lot because nick cage was in it that brought a lot of people in oh yeah so if it's somebody else nobody's seeing that movie right but even still for a nick cage movie like i would expect more even though it is a pretty small movie and it's been talked about a lot since it's come out people have said it's really good yeah i feel like there wasn't a lot of marketing for it either but word of mouth has been great i've heard from you i've heard from other friends that like don't aren't even as into movies as we are and telling me it's a great movie. Yeah. But another problem I think with the box office this year is that not all the movies have been fantastic. And so on that, what have you thought about the overall quality we've gotten in 2021 and specifically this summer? Uh, I mean, I'm looking at my list right now of what I saw this year. Yeah. I feel like it's been, I mean, typically for every year, all the, usually the good movies come towards the end of the year anyways. But yeah, it's been a little iffy. I feel like a lot of like the big movies that were in theaters have been okay at best. There haven't been any crazy ones. Um, there have been a lot of low-key indies that have been good, like Pig, like we said. Um, Coda that has dropped on Apple is really good. Really enjoyed that. Um but yeah, I mean, it's been, it's not, it's not the usual summer blockbusters we, we usually get. Um, 
Yeah, I feel the uh, same way. It feels very middle of the road, which is kind of strange to me because I was I, I went into this summer like, oh, my God, these movies, it's about to pick up. It's about to be amazing. Mm. And like looking at the list, like I had a list of stuff I need to watch, like that I need to be sure I'm going to catch and not even have like a quarter of it's gone. And what I've seen from that didn't really excite me very much. Um well, also, all these about. movies have been um, been de- or have been delayed from before. So yeah, these are all kind of um, like leftover movies to kind of just throw one out there, test the waters almost. Yeah, the Green Knight I thought was spectacular, but a lot of people are gonna hate that movie. And uh, the same with the Net, I ended up loving that one, but a lot of people are gonna hate that movie. I think like ninety percent of people are gonna hate that movie. Um, What's the general, do you know the general audience? Maybe on like Rotten Tomatoes of Green Knight? Uh, Of Green Knight, I was just about to pull up the letterbox on a net. It's actually 3.4, which is shocking to me. Um, Hmm. But the, I mean, I don't even care about Rotten Tomatoes, honestly. Um, But for the Green Knight. I feel like that best portrays the general audience for movies, though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't put too much stock in it because, like, also companies have been known to, like, buy votes on that. So mm, critics, right. this is kind of exactly what I expected. Critics, 88% uh, certified fresh. Audience score, 49%. Mm, wow, I thought it'd be higher. Which is not shocking. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but, like, people, I mean, to, to spoil it a little bit, uh, it's not some big action movie i think like it was originally being pitched in the trailer even though we really never saw a sword being swung it's a very slow movie it's a i wouldn't even call it slow it's a hundred percent an adventure movie but i i think like it's it it is a night's adventure you know like it's it's the story of the if you know the the original like mitt arthurian legend that's what happens yeah. They just tell it and they shoot the shit out of it. Like it looks awesome. There are certain sequences in it that like I've just thought were gorgeous. Um, I don't want to spoil any of them and Unreal. It looked fantastic and gorgeous. I I think, you know, there's not a lot of music in it, which is a hundred percent intentional. Like if some of those things, if they put big backing tracks behind them, people are like, oh man. This is crazy. Like the scale of it, I think would feel a lot bigger, but no, I mean, they kept it low key and I, that's all intentional. Um, and it's kind of gritty at parts and I don't know. I, I was a big fan of it. But, yeah. I loved it as well. Um, but that, I mean, that's probably like maybe my favorite thing that's come out so far. Uh, besides the fear street movies, those, I loved those. Oh my god! I never got a chance to check those out yet, dude. Watch them. Keeping up with those weekly was that was like my favorite three weeks of the summer. There's so all three great. are worth it. Oh my god! If you, I know you haven't watched Halloween because you don't watch old movies. Um, <laughs> it's just like it's classic slasher movies, and they do the first one's a straight up like a ninety. It's like Scream, the first one, and then the second one is like. Friday the 13th, even though I don't really like Friday the 13th that much. And 
Are the they last... like purposely paying homage to these movies? Oh, it's all like head nods and you know references and stuff like that. And even if you haven't seen all of these movies, it, you're still gonna love it because it's fast. It's they're pretty quickly paced and the kills are good, which I know a lot of people care about in slasher movies. And it looks great. The dot it's kind of like wanting to connect with teenagers a lot which a lot of times can go poorly but i think because these were set in like the 90s the 70s and then 1666 you know they're not they 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 don't have the chance to say shit like dab you know they're not they're not making references like that and so that i think helped it a lot um yeah i'll have to check it out series is fantastic um and to clarify i do watch old movies but i said to catch up <laughs> um do you count amazing. inside do you count inside as a movie inside which one was that again the bo burnham did you watch that bo burnham oh yes yes i did do you count that as a movie or a stand-up special i don't know it's it's kind of both i it's it's so close it's a lot like a short film yeah, I feel like it's almost a short film. What is it? An hour and a half length, right? I think it's 90 minutes. So yeah, it, it does technically uh, classify as a feature length movie. It's Yeah, it's um, 87 minutes. I mean, and it's I a know, very... He, he kind of blended genres with this one. It's not, it's not necessarily stand-up. It's a lot. It feels almost like a story about his life, even though he is doing a character, you know, he's not like constantly sad like that. It is a character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, it was, it's really spectacular. Yeah, no, I love oh that. My God. And it's it, just so I mean, unique and so different than anything that's come out this year. And the craziest thing about it to me is that I don't think he like started writing it before the pandemic had even really happened. Like he, and it wasn't even really totally based around that. A lot of it was based around like, I think he hit a really hard roadblock after Make Happy came out and he talked about it. He was inside like the entire time, just in his house when he wasn't making eighth grade and like was really lost creative, creatively. And that's what a lot of that is about. Yeah. And it's interesting because even though it's not really about COVID, but it deals with a lot of, with COVID and staying inside and yeah. quarantine and stuff like that. I feel like a lot of people would have been, I don't know, kind of been uh, disconnected from it because they don't want to see anything COVID related, but it, it draw people in so well. Uh, that's a hundred percent what I thought was going to happen. I thought people were going to be out. Nobody, I don't want to watch something about quarantine while I'm in quarantine, yeah. you know, and it had the complete opposite reaction. Yeah, he just um, made it his own thing. It was so Bo Burnham too. Like he was just so himself. Oh yeah. Um, and then to go kind of the opposite way on something uh, I didn't really like that came out that I was really anticipating was No Sudden Move, the Link Later movie. I really liked. I I didn't love that. I did not see that. Uh, it's on HBO Max, or maybe it's not. I think it's they're doing its movie theater run right now. It's. I was disappointed. Oh, that's not um, Link Later, right? That's someone else, right? No, not link later. I misspoke completely. Um, oh, it is on HBO Max right now, though. It was uh, Soderbergh. Right, right. I was just watching something about Days and Confused and had link later on my brain. <laughs> and you know, Soderbergh, though. I mean, it, it, it. They shot it all with this fisheye lens, and I didn't love that choice. Um, 
Army of the Dead was a big one that came out, but I don't think that even got a theatrical release. I think Netflix kept that exclusively. Actually, but... I saw that in theaters. That oh, you did. I remember asking you if. I, I think it theaters. Netflix usually has this weird thing where they put it in theaters for like only a week or like two weeks max before it goes on Netflix. I think they do that just in case it goes for like an Oscar run or like an awards run because I think it needs to be in theaters for a certain amount of time in order to qualify. Yeah, they did that with um, the Scorsese movie too. That yeah, Irishman. Movie. Yeah, that wasn't out in theaters very long. Um, do you have three big ones that you'd recommend from this past summer? Or this past year? Uh, yeah, on my list, I also had The Green Knight, so I highly recommend that. I'm a big David Lowry fan. A Ghost Story is one of my favorite movies, and I think he did a really good job with this one, too. Um, also, I love Old Man the Gun. I don't know if you've seen that one by Lowry. Mm-mm. Robert Redford, great movie. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm in on that. I think I that Redford. is technically his last movie he's done. Because I remember before that, he said he was retired, and then he came back for this one. And now he's retired, but who knows? He'll probably come back for another he's one. He's probably going to be in another freaking Marvel movie or something. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, I also had um, this movie or this documentary called Some Kind of Heaven that came out in the beginning of this year, which follows the retirement community in Florida called The Village, which is known to be the biggest party retirement Uh, community in like the country and I think a couple maybe like 20 years ago no probably less um, they were known to have the highest amount of STDs in the country (laughs) because so many people were just going at it and partying at that place and this dude um, Lance I forget his last name he's the director he's around our age he's like 23 I think years old or 24 years old and he went with like a small crew and just went to this community, became really close with a couple of the people in the community and filmed this movie. And it was so well done. I was a really big fan of it. So I definitely um, I recommend checking that out. I think it's on, I don't think it, it might be on Hulu actually. Uh, did You said the old man in the gun was supposed to be Redford's last movie. I think so, yeah. He was in Avengers Endgame. Did that come out before? It came out after. It came out a year after. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Um, we'll do it. And then it says on here, hang on. It says that these might be documentaries that he was in. Like they just use clips of them. Mm. Um, But yeah, um, what are you looking forward to? Three movies. Um, Obviously, obviously, I think both of ours is Dune. I think Dune is the biggest one coming up. I was I gonna I left that one off mine. <laughs> yeah, I read the book obviously. And yeah. I was I was a huge fan of the book, so I'm really excited to see what Villeneuve does. And I remember reading the book while I was reading and just being like, how the hell are they gonna make this movie? Because it's just so dense. There's so many characters, so much stuff is happening. It's a it's the huge, dense book, and like it's gonna be crazy to see him try to make this uh, a feature-length film. Yeah we can do that we'll do the whole dune conversation when it comes time for that which yeah. is something that has to be uh, you gotta go see that in an imax screen man oh yeah totally um and then the other on my list is mm-hmm. probably on yours too spider-man no way home After I'll, that, I, you did take one of mine there i'll replace it <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Uh, yeah, that, that trailer that came out a couple of weeks ago got me so hyped just seeing uh, the Green Goblin and Doc Ock back. Uh, I'm super excited for that. I mean, it's going to be a blast. Oh, yeah. I'm totally now like a Mar- like Marvel, like give me the, as much content as possible. Just <laughs> Yeah, I was I was so off the Marvel train after Endgame. I was like, all right, I'll take a break. I won't watch any of their content. But Spider-Man and like even like WandaVision a little bit just drew me right back in. Oh, so. yeah. We're just shovels for them to dump content now. <laughs> this is too good, I'm man. Totally fine. Put the funnel in my throat. They know what they're doing. Give me Loki and, season two. I'm ready. <laughs> and my last movie is Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. I'm, I'm super hyped for that. I'm a big Edgar Wright fan. Yep. Um, I, that trailer that came out. Holy crap. I did not see the trailer. I'm going to try to go in blind. Oh, really? I'm doing that with uh, House of Gucci, which is one of the ones I put on my list. Mm. Apparently, Lady Gaga is doing a terrible Italian accent. (laughs) Everyone's hamming it up. Um, Ridley Scott, one of my favorite directors, uh, and he's also doing, I'll just honorable mention this one, Last Duel, which is Damon and Ben Affleck coming out this year. That one I'm really excited for. Um, yeah it's the first time i think uh writing collab since um why am i blanking on the movie right now good will hunting <laughs> yep i wasn't gonna tell you i wanted to make that <laughs> um house of gucci and then so that's one of mine and then the french dispatch yes. french dispatch i mispronounced that looks amazing oh my god i can't wait stacked cast as always for wes anderson oh yeah timothy chalamet is completely running the last five years of movies since he was in ladybird yeah um and then it's really funny i remember seeing him like kind of blow up during that ladybird era and being like i've definitely seen this guy before like where have i mm-hmm. seen him and then i remember watching interstellar like recently again i'm like oh my god he's the fucking kid <laughs> that's where i know him from uh you watch interstellar like once a month right and um <laughs> And so then uh, the last one, right? I've done two. Soggy Bottom, BTA. Mm. I haven't even looked at anything about that, honestly. I just know I don't think PTA. there's anything out about it. I, there's cast list or something. All I know is PTA. Yeah, there's like no news on it. He's been keeping super quiet about it. I don't know if that they're mo- like rushing to film it or they don't have anything or they're just keeping quiet, but so I'm excited. I'm pretty sure House of Gucci comes out on November 24th. And then November 25th is the thing, is Peter Jackson's Beatles show that was originally a movie, but he extended it to six hours. That's the 25th. And then the 26th, the Soggy Bottom. November 26th? Yep. And we haven't even gotten a trailer yet. Not even a poster, nothing. People don't even think that's the real name. Right, because I don't think that was officially announced either. It's set in the 70s and stars Bradley Cooper. Biggest, probably most rec- recognizable name from that, unless you're a big Safty head, Benny Safty's in it. Yeah, that's super exciting. I mean, it, what is it? What is it going to be? <laughs> it's crazy. Gonna, yeah, a few months away and we know nothing about it. It's super I, rare. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. But also just gets me even more excited for it. I know, I can't wait. Um, Imagine they just do nothing, no promo, nothing, and it just comes out. I mean, yeah, I, I PTA is somebody I could see that working with. Yeah, it totally that, could. That would work for him. Um, but not in today's time, though. 
No, yeah, I think honestly, the biggest you have to be like a super superstar director to pull that off. So I think like yeah. the only person you could really do that would be like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, Christopher Nolan, but that wouldn't be his style. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I think Tarantino really could be the only one. Like, if Tarantino was like, hey, I just put this movie in theaters, go see it, I'm, like, grabbing my keys and going, right? Like, yeah. the first available showing. Yeah. All right. You got anything left you want to hit on this year before we get into Avatar? I'll throw one more. Um, right. Honorable mention is uh, Bad Trip with Eric Andre and Lil Rel Howie. I, I'm a huge oh, yeah. Andre fan and I love that movie. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Every gag was so funny. It's the hardest I've laughed in so long. It was just a great movie. And I love awesome. this one, how with the pranks, they all kind of showed like the good in humanity instead of just kind of being like, ha, we got you. And like things like that. They kind of like brought out like the good in humanity and everyone was just trying to help Eric Andre's character and the little Harry's character in any crazy situation they were in. It was always helpful and like heartwarming. That's that's a great shout. That is yeah. awesome. I didn't even think about that one. Is there right. usually like Borat? Borat is like I guess what it gets compared to the most. It's yeah. like kind of the opposite almost. Not no shame on Borat. I fucking love Borat. It's the best. But that kind of showed like the kind of like the dark side of society and humanity. While Eric Andre mm-hmm. kind of did the opposite. Both great movies, but which you know the that we needed something like that Eric Andre thing. The good side. We've seen yeah. a lot of bad side recently. Exactly. Yeah. So Just definitely check everywhere. that out. All right. On Netflix. All right. On that note, we are going to take a quick break and I'm going to talk more about the AVC mag and then we're going to get back with Avatar. All right. Hey, everybody. It's Bo here to tell you about our sponsor, Album Book Club. It is a book club, but, you know, for albums and uh, they have weekly picks that they put out on their Twitter at Album Book Club One, and they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week. Uh, it can range from hip hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop. It's all over the place. Uh, it's a great way to discover new music. I've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, they have great merch over there. It's all great looking stuff. Um, definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. Welcome back, everybody, and we are here now to talk about the movie of the week, Avatar. That was the winner of the poll we put out this week uh, for our first movie to watch. I honestly did not think it was going to be the one that won, but did I? I thought for sure Inception was going to run away with it. Yeah, guess not. Nope. Um, I Got some hardcore Avatar fans out there. <laughs> I did not know that many people liked that movie. Or they just want to watch us watch a three-hour movie. Yeah, that's it's a long runtime. All right, uh, Jacob, do you want to kick us off with the uh, highlights of the cast, the director, and other stuff? Maybe a little bit of what the plot is. Yeah. So this is obviously James Cameron, uh, the one and only. 
Um, this came out in 2009. I, I actually read that he originally wanted this movie or he started to work on this movie in 1999, I think. But he said at the time that the technology wasn't ready for it yet. He said it just he couldn't do it because the technology just wasn't there. So Wait, hang on, hang on, not to step on you real quick. Sorry, I had a, I did a little. I, I was gonna do a little fun fact section, a little, uh. but and that was one of mine. But that's not even what it was. That's not even the reason it, he wanted a ton of money for for it. And oh really? No, yeah, and there was nowhere that would fin- or, uh, finance it. Oh. Well, that makes yeah. sense also. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I remember reading something about the technology too that just wasn't ready, which yeah, makes obviously sense makes well. sense. Yeah. Um, this movie stars Sam Worthington, uh, Zoe Saldana, Zagurni Weaver, uh, and Michelle Rodriguez. Those are like the main four. Also Stephen Lang and Giovanni Ribisi who play the, the villains in the movie. Um, and this movie, for those of you who don't know, is about a paraplegic marine dispatched to the moon Pandora on a unique mission that becomes he becomes torn between following his orders and protecting the world he feels is his home. Yeah, um, I completely forgot it was a moon. I hadn't yeah. seen it in a couple of years and forgot yeah. it was a moon. All right. Uh, now that Jacob has hit that, I wanted to get a little bit into the critical reception of it. Um, so Roger Ebert, uh, he was still around for this movie, and he was all—he's my kind of go-to guy for any movie. Uh, before he passed, and he gave it four out of four stars. You know, his highest rating, and he uh, had a similar opinion to it that I kind of have. The technical wonders are immense. He's—he praised the technical wonders and. He was a fan of the environmental and anti-war story. And um, he also, uh, he loves to point out like when there's a big action scene at the end that you don't necessarily need like almost every Marvel movie um, when they just have action to end a story, you know? And his quote here that I really liked actually was, I've complained that many recent films abandon storytelling in their third acts and go for wall-to-wall action. Cameron essentially does that here, but has invested well in establishing his characters so that it matters when they do in ba- what they do in battle and how they do it. There are issues at stake greater than simply which side wins. Yeah, I actually read Ebert's uh, review too. And another quote that I really loved by him, which he said, I think later in that review, he said, there's a, still at least one man in Hollywood who knows how to spend 250 million wisely. And that's James Cameron. Yeah. Um, James Cameron, pretty good with big budgets, uh, historically, you know, a couple yes. of the highest grossing movies ever, uh, which this one now is again, because I don't know why Avatar is his hill to die on, but he re-released it recently to make, to beat Endgame. I um, feel like this movie and Endgame are going to keep re-releasing just to fight for that number one spot. You think Disney re-releases Endgame? I don't know if I, I see that. Eventually. Like an anniversary movie, like an anniversary joint. like Yeah, like maybe when the next avengers type marvel movie comes out they'll like throw it back in oh like do like make like do like all like do like the dark like the batman movies do or something like star wars movies do where they marathon them like right just one two three yeah that would be i just feel long. like disney it would be long i just think disney is too greedy they just want that number one spot so they're gonna go for it yeah but they posted that thing of that graphic of iron man giving them a thumbs up so um, so uh, the next uh, 
I did, I did a different one. I didn't want to do one that was all praise because I think there are a lot of critics that have some thoughts about the plot of this movie. Um, so I did USA Today's review written by Claudia Puig and she gave it three out of four stars. So still high praise. Nobody, there's, there's no negative review of this movie. There's none anywhere that from reputable sources. I'm sure somebody on Reddit has bashed it, but um, Puig said he still needs to hire a screenwriter for all the grandeur and technical virtuosity of the mythical 3D universe. Cameron labor, labored for years to perfect his characters are one dimensional, rarely saying anything unexpected, which I think is the truth. Um, you know, Stephen. Yeah, Lang I think in, is like, in 2009, I just feel like there's no way anyone could shit on this movie when it came out. Definitely no, now, no. but when 2009, when that movie came out, it was so huge and just so exuberant that there's no way anyone could just shit on this. Yeah, and I mean the fan, like fans loved it. Um, normal moviegoers loved it, you know. Um, but I think there is the, and this is something we can get into later. No, uh, it's such a technical achievement for the time. Never, no one's ever going to be mad at this movie. Which, and exactly. I mean, I agree. I like this movie less than most, and I just don't love it. I feel like. Yeah, you want to like, go into your review? Yeah, like, well, what I think about it is, I I mean, I probably haven't seen it in three years. I never am itching at, oh, I really need to watch Avatar like I am when I'm like, sometimes I'll just be like, oh, man, I got to rewatch Seven right now. Or, oh, Shawshank's on. I'm going to watch the last hour and a half of this movie with commercials on TNT. If I see Avatar on, I'm going to keep scrolling. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. what are your thoughts on it? Like, Do you have any thoughts like that? Yeah, I mean... Anytime I think of Avatar, I just always think of my first experience with that movie, which was seeing it actually in theaters. And I remember when this movie came out, I think it was around the time when, well, before this movie came out, it was around the time when 3D movies still had the red and blue like plastic glasses or like the paper glasses that you put on. And it was all, all the effects in those movies were just like, I don't know, a ball was thrown at the screen or someone was pointing and it was just like, whoa, it's kind of like gaggy, almost like 3D effects. But this was the first movie I remember like seeing the glasses. I think it said like real 3D on it or something. And it had like that weird like mirror on the side of it. It didn't, it just looked like normal glasses. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then going into the theater and just experiencing that on the big screen and just how he like played with the environment and that 3D world, it just like, it blew my, I don't know how old I was, like 12 year old mind. It's like incredible. Um, but now I really haven't, I've seen bits and pieces here and there, but this is my first time, I think, watching the full movie all the way through for like at least five years, probably a little longer. Um, but for me, it, it still held up. I, I really liked it. I was super impressed with the VFX. I feel like they still hold up really well today, but you really wouldn't be able to tell this movie was made in, in 2009 based off the visual effects. Oh my God, the visual effects are amazing. Yeah, like they, they still hold up. It's incredible. A hundred percent. I, I, yeah. There were a couple times I've wrote in my notes, like uh, the base looks kind of bad at points, which is weird because I feel like that would be like the base, I feel like would be easier to animate, like particularly the outsides of it, like, or the mm. insides of it, not indoors, but you know, like where all the trucks are right when they're getting off mm. stuff like that i thought that looked really weird like almost like 
Star Wars prequely weird, you know, not quite that bad, but but then like the exteriors and the actual planet are amazing. The floating mountains, oh my god, my one of my favorite sequences. I think probably every almost everyone would agree with this is when he wrangles the banshee and then he's flying around. I mean, it's it's breathtaking, honestly. The whole first half of the movie, I was totally sucked in just from the visuals, just like the, being still in awe of like how this was created. The first half is the easiest part of the watch, a hundred percent. And I think it's the best, totally. Yeah, oh yeah, it's the best. Um, and it just does such in- a it does such a great job of world building and just like yeah. really getting you and captured into this unique world with all these unique creatures. Um, I saw this in theaters too, and it totally blew my mind. I saw it in 3D. Roger Ebert saw it in 3D, which was a very funny visual to me of Roger Ebert <laughs> wearing 3D glasses. And he made a great point about the 3D. James Cameron, I think, was quoted at the time as saying he was going to usher in a new generation for 3D. And Ebert was like, yeah, I mean, he found reasons for it. He wasn't just throwing stuff at the screen to be like, ooh, you jumped. You know, like, it looked good. I loved it. I was a big fan of it. 3D has obviously not held up as well i will never go see another movie in 3d again i don't think um yeah it's died um that first half of the movie and i think this also might have something to do with what claudia said about the writing uh and the dialogue the best parts of the movie are when he's doing the training with uh zoe saldana's character natiri and they're not speaking if it is, it's one or two words. She's mostly like hitting him and they're running through the forest and they're, you're looking at all these cool new animals and you're. Yeah. Watching that training montage was so well done. It's great. And you're watching his hair do the weird thing with the horse and you're like, Hey, that's the same thing he did to have sex with her. Oh no. <laughs> that's still, that hair thing still gives me the creeps a little ugh, bit. Ugh, it's awful. Um, but it also fits into that world so well. Um, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Like watching it again, it still felt like like a, a spectacle or like an experience. Just like watching it again, just based off the visuals, it's incredible to look at. I can the, the all the visuals are great. Like you know, you feel like you're reacting the ways the characters are. Like the uh, real nerdy guy uh, was a good Joel David Moore's character, Norm. Mm. Obviously named Norm because he was a normal dude. You know, um, he was, I think he was a little bit like our, the audience's eye into it. Like he came in seeming like he would know a lot, but then when they got out into the field and stuff, he was the one who was always like, Oh wow. Oh man, look at this. Yeah. Right. Which is what we're sitting in the seats. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got to feel bad for him that he wasn't the, the, he trained for five years and Sam Worthington ended up being the better avatar operator. He had his little hero moment at the end. He did. That was sweet. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, this is, I wanted to save this a little bit later, but now that we, we kind of brought it up, have you ever like, I've like, have you ever had a dream where you're falling and you wake up, you know, and you think you're dead and then you realize you were dreaming? Yeah. What does that feel like when your avatar dies and you're in the avatar? That guy, he came out and he was free. He thought he was dead. Yeah. That's insane. That's the worst. That's got to be the worst feeling ever. Yeah, he was like hyperventilating, I think, when he got out. But oh Grab my god, his yeah. chest. Oh my lord. Um, with you. Oh my god. And those machines. I 
I feel like something would need to be plugged in, right? Like, how is it? I don't know. That's a nitpick. Yeah, I mean, it's like that. Um, what's that movie with the big giant robots that people control with their body? Real Steel. No, no, no. Um, big robots, and I think they're fighting aliens. There's two of them. Oh man. Charlie oh. Day is in the second one. Yeah, I yeah, those are those are uh, kind of the same right. uh, yeah. machines. I forgot. I totally forgot what those are called. Not very remarkable. They're fighting like kaiju's. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. John Boyega's in them. Is it something about Titans? I don't know. I don't know. I'm. Not a not a big deal, but I don't know. I was a little confused on that. But um Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. Oh yeah. That's yeah. a that's a that's the that's a movie. The second one's terrible. The first one's okay. Um I think my favorite character in the movie was Jake's Banshee. Uh, yeah. Um, He's a little cutie. Mostly because when he was on the screen, I was like, Oh sweet, we get to be in the air again. Mm-hmm. Um, which was just I mean, those were the best parts. It's crazy that I think almost at least it has to be over 50% or maybe right around 50% of this movie is full CG. Yeah. No, it's got to be more than that, right? I I guess. I mean, there were a lot of like human parts here and there, especially towards the end. But a lot of the movie was just all CG. It was just a whole 3D world that he created. I mean, it's there's not a lot of practical sets and and you know props on that even i just uh, i had this save for um the trivia thing uh sigourney weaver's cigarette was cgi oh, no way it's so like, feel like smoking is this is this the movie to blame for marvel cgiing everything it felt like almost just like a, a super we're watching a super high budget video game cutscene, but done really super is. well yeah it's it's weird it's interesting it was very ambitious at the time but now we have like far from home like cgiing an audi true but i still feel like nothing no movie has really come close to being full cg like this one has and being as realistic as this one is i think the difference is that this movie really took advantage of what you can do with cgi instead of being like hey we're not going to have samuel L. jackson actually drive this audi we're going to pull up in mm. it and the whole right. thing's going to be on a blue screen because kevin feige doesn't want to have to drag lights outside like it's james cameron had an actual use for it he wanted to create this whole world because he had a story he wanted to tell granted a very not very original one but we can get that in a second um and he wanted it to be set in this you know fantastical version of earth this movie is almost it's it's it, it might be more sci-fi or fantasy than it is sci-fi yeah i mean I, cameron himself is like just such a visual storyteller mm-hmm. and like and like like you you mentioned a little bit the story is like a little basic especially towards the second half it gets like it's very basic and kind of one-dimensional but i feel like cameron was not that wasn't really his focus with this movie he really just wanted to focus on the visuals and captivating you on those and i think he completely accomplishes his goal with that yeah um and i mean one way you can tell he accomplishes his goal is it's the first completely digitally shot movie to ever win the oscar for best cinematography and completely deservedly so um 
I yeah, mean, I was thinking of- about that, that because it's a 3D world, that he can really just place the camera wherever he wants. Yeah, which kind of boggles my mind, too. Like, yeah, I don't like, so, like, that stuff with CGI, like, weirds me out. I'm like, how do they really point the camera? Like, it's weird. Yeah, I, they I just place they it wherever they want. They animate it in front of it, but. Yeah, and, and I noticed a lot of the camera was moving a lot, too. It was very flowy. Yeah. Um, it felt it's, it felt realistic, but also at the same time, not realistic, but it worked. Yeah, um, so segueing on the realism of it, uh, this is 100% like a story we've seen before, uh, slightly tweaked, because uh, one thing people love to say is it's Pocahontas with blue cat people. I see that a lot. And it kind of is, um, except I think Pocahontas, you know, this is like an anti, this is an anti-war movie and it's a pro-environmentalist movie. Like it's a hundred percent like protect our natural resources and like, Hey, don't do bad things to indigenous people. Like, you know, that's the, that's what the movie is. And Pocahontas isn't necessarily that. Um, but it is, it's stories we've seen before and a lot of times in real life, except in real life, the indigenous people don't usually win. Yeah, and is... I felt especially towards the second half, the two, I guess, villains, I think uh, the Miles, Colonel Miles and Parker, mm-hmm. the the rich guy running it all, they kind of got a little, I don't know, they kind of got very surface layer and like cheesy at the end. They almost kind of did like a 180 on their character and they just immediately just turned bad and just started going at it. Uh I mean, the whole time they were kind of like mustache twirling, like, hey, Jake Sully, why don't you tell us where their compound is and where the weak points are? Like, that's, they're doing that from the jump. But then at the end, they just go like full villain. Like, at the beginning, Stephen Lang is like, oh, we're here to learn about the natural resources and protect these scientists doing their job. And then it turns into like, we're going to wipe these people out yeah they kept a little more subtle in the beginning but then all of a sudden it just it turned just a full 180 and they went right at it the whole thing to me uh i think james cameron is he borrowed a lot i feel like from other movies that he's done particularly aliens i think giovanni rabisi feels like exactly like the corporate guy that they bring on the shuttle with them to go check out the planet that all the aliens are on like Mm. who's like oh we gotta bring an egg back and Sigourney Weaver there is like, what do we have to do that for? And he's like, the corporation. And in this yeah. one, he's like, oh, we got to get these alien people out so I can get this rock. And she's like, what do we have to do that for? And he's like, the corporation, money. It's the same yeah. thing. And like Sigourney Weaver's character, I think, could be like Ripley older. Like she's just doing Ripley again, which I don't know if that was her. Like, I'm just going to play this as Ripley or James Cameron is like, hey, just play this as Ripley. I don't know whose choice that was, but they feel very similar. I also didn't mind it, though. I liked her character. Oh, I love, I mean, I love Sigourney Weaver. I love Alien. I'm never going to be mad at seeing her on the screen for anything. Um, Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you know, it's just some certain, like the mech suits, that's Aliens. It looked like, it looked like them, the one she uses in Aliens, but just spray painted gray instead. (laughs) Um, And they put a gun in its hands. Um, You know, and I get that. I, I he wrote this movie, which like um, w- I, the review I read 
from Claudia Puig. I think he needs a co-writer or something for something like this. Um, but I also think he just, uh, he, he, he can kind of get a little high and mighty sometimes, I feel like, and be like, I'm the man. I made Titanic. I have the highest grossing movie of all time. He's got a big ego. Yeah. And he's going to write it himself. And I think even though this is something we've seen before, it could have been fleshed out better. And like Jake Sully's character, we like, I don't know. He changed because he fell in love with the girl, but like his dialogue wasn't written well. And we dialogue all around was not that great. What I think didn't work for me entirely for that was like, I don't, it didn't really seem like he got a connection with the people because we never saw him interact with anybody but Natiri. And the only other interaction we saw was negative from the guy who didn't like him and constantly tried to kill him. Yeah. At least that's the way I saw it. Yeah. I mean, I guess they tried to show a little bit with the montage, but yeah, I do see what you're saying. You do, you don't really feel that connection that they have with the, the Navi. And it's, and the only person, the person who had the strongest connection was Sigourney Weaver's character. Um, and, you know, he had a strong one with her being in the pod out in the middle of the forest. But um, so I think it, some of it was him wanting to do it. Like you wanted to preserve the culture that she loved as well. Cause I think he, I think Sigourney Weaver was supposed to be like a mother to him, like a mother surrogate thing. To, I don't know. It was. And weird. their world just looked so beautiful. Like, how can you destroy it, that beauty? Yeah. That's another thing, too. Yeah. He did really like the nature of it all, even though at the beginning he didn't understand it. But I mean, even at the end, before the main fight, even though he's heard the spirits in the trees before, he's still looking at like the big one, the Awa tree or whatever, and going, I don't know if you can even hear me. I don't know if you're real, but he's heard the spirits in the tree. Like he's heard the voices of that one. I was like, hang on a second. Hang on. The you know, it's real. Like <laughs> the line wild. that made me laugh the most was, well, two actually. One was when, um, when the ships go into the that place where their signal becomes destroyed, and it's called the flux vortex. That just made me laugh so hard. Like, what a, a yeah. non-original sci-fi name. Like, who came up with flux vortex? Um, what what's your next one? Because if you're, I don't know if you're about to step on what I'm about to say. I'm on about uh, my second one? my second line was <laughs> when um they first destroyed that tree like not before not the big tree but that the first one when like yeah. they're sleeping and jake Sully's character goes up to the machine and breaks the camera so they can't see and mm-hmm. while um i think the colonel when he goes to look at the cameras it's like we wanted to see who, who banged the cameras out he just goes scale up enhance scale up oh enhance. yeah <laughs> that's one of those oh it kills me just made um, me laugh Something the thing that made me laugh really hard was here's this rock we want unobtainium and I was like oh is it hard to obtain? <laughs> yeah, they were not that creative with their names. I mean, J- the the one thing I will actually I can't even really give this credit to James Cameron. He wanted to create a whole language, so he got a language professor. I don't remember at what school, so I, he's not going to get the proper credit for it. But he created a whole language. He wanted them to create something that sounded nothing like we had on earth and i think they did a great job of that um i don't think people are out here learning navi like they are learning like elvin or the star trek language i don't know i forgot what that's called (laughs) um but 
it's it's weird he wants people he wants to go out and create a whole language but then he also doesn't want to like focus a ton on character development or fleshing outside characters like he gave michelle rodriguez the same treatment he gave to the uh feisty mexican lady in aliens like you know like she, she doesn't get to do anything but be say really badass lines which like cool i'm i like that a lot i liked michelle rodriguez in this a lot and she did i think a lot with what she was given but you know n- nobody was really fleshed out like natiri wasn't even really fleshed out except for oh we saw her fall in love with the main character yeah even jake slowly to a degree like they try to flesh out his character a little bit when he does the talking to the camera stuff and like logging like his diaries but i feel like i don't know i feel like that all those scenes were very disconnected it's that yeah and it would come and those would always come in the middle of like when you're like watching him run around pandora and you're like i just want to see more of that yeah you know and it's weird like i i would have preferred him showing us that like through him having actual conversations with natiri or like other people in the village and stuff like and then all that is destroyed immediately when he doesn't get the like like something we see a bunch of times oh there's a misunderstanding granted a very big one and he has to get the chance to explain himself and then he goes and get the gets the bigger banshee and now he can lead everybody yeah i found it so dumb that they caught his uh or he told when he's doing the diary to the camera that he kind of spilled the beans that he like wants to protect the navi and that's how they like caught him yeah it's like why are you even telling the camera that you who do you, you know they're gonna, gonna watch read these yeah. exactly yeah so it's yeah he he handled that poorly um but honestly i i can brush all that away just from the visuals and experience alone i can too which i think most people are doing i'm giving the movie a hard time but i i do like the movie i don't i don't hate the movie i i i mean i'll watch it again probably no i'm not gonna watch it it'll probably be a year or two Mm -hmm. or i'll watch part of it again but i'm not I'm not chomping at the bit, but I love the visuals of it. I'll go see the sequel. I don't know if I'll go see all four of them. He's making five of these purely because people were like, hey, good movie, not very original story. And he was like, oh, you don't think so? I'm making four more. Hey, I'm going to go see all four and I'm going to be proud. I'm going to go see it too. What are they going to be about? Honestly, I don't, I don't give a shit about the story. I just want to <laughs> see what he's going to do technology-wise. Because I, I know I, he's going to be using the, the best of the best cameras, the best mm-hmm. newest technology. It's not even out to the public yet. He's going to do so much crazy shit that I'm just it, too excited for that alone. It'll look great. Yeah, It'll look fantastic. I mean, you know, it's going to look better than the one we have now. Um, and he's had 10 years to take criticism on the story. So maybe he took some <sighs> into consideration. Like, is it going to be them coming back? Like... Oh, yeah. Plot-wise, I have no idea what they're going to do. So Avatar 2 is 2022. Avatar 3 2024. Avatar 4 2026. Avatar 5 2028. As of right now. I mean, it's gotten delayed, what, like five times already? Right, yeah. As of now, Avatar 2. So uh, Sam Worthington, not even top build. Mm. There are... Vin Diesel is third build. What? No way. Yep. In the second one? In the second one. Stephen Lang, the guy who played the colonel, you know? Mm-hmm. 
fourth build. They're bringing him back. He wow. died. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, we're spoiling this podcast because it's a recap of wow. a, for like a book, for like a book club. He died. He got two. He got three six foot long arrows. Maybe through his chest. Here's my prediction. They're gonna transfer oh, him into God. a Navi. It's gonna be one of them. He's gonna be on their side. But they left Earth. Oh, he's gonna be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hope not. Or is um, going to be an insider pretending to be one of them and then turn their back on them at the last second? Maybe. I don't know. There's no plot details yet. It's coming December 16th, 2022. It's still in post-production. Apparently, they're shooting all of the movies consecutively. So, Jesus. He's um, a madman. I could not imagine what shooting four movies straight would feel like. Yeah. Unreal. Especially at this magnitude. With Jim Cameron. Ooh, <laughs> God. Okay, uh, what do you think of Sam Worthington overall? I have thoughts. I think I think he, he's good. I mean, I, I really haven't seen him in that much besides the Terminator movies. Um, movie, movie. He didn't get it. Movie, right. He was in Salvation, right? That tends to happen a lot with his movies, yeah. He gets one. Uh, yeah. Oh, I saw him in Clash of the Titans too. Uh, Man on the Ledge, I saw him in. Um, oh no, I think he's a very above average like action star. Like he he fits that role really well, but he's nothing special. Okay. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's he's pretty average actor. Um, he has that look though for like that action star well, almost. That's I'm about to hang on. Um, first of all, his. American accent was terrible. In this movie, he was he was supposed to be doing an American accent. He's Australian. <laughs> he sounded Australian the whole time. Yeah, you, you could you could see it leaking in a little bit. Uh, he was born in England and then grew up in Australia, and he sounded Australian the whole time. Mm, I can't yeah. I can't do an Australian accent, and I wouldn't want to do one in a movie, but I would. He got an acting coach. Like, why wouldn't J- why was it James Cameron like, we're gonna put off this off for another week? Go learn harder. He said that learning the Navi language was easier than the American accent. Sam Worthington said that clearly because he didn't do it. <laughs> just, it was terrible. It was taking me out of the movie. I'm listening to like this colonel talking like he's from Alabama and Sigourney Weaver just talking normally, and then I hear the Australian guy talking about running through the trees. And I'm like, oh, it's, oh, it's awful. Just it, didn't, it didn't bother me because I didn't know he was supposed to be like fully English. Like I just knew that he had a little bit of an accent in there the whole time. I, that's what I'm saying. Why didn't they just make him Australian? Like they could have just said, hey, like the earth is one. Like it didn't matter like the state of the earth. They could have said the earth is united. We have an Australian in the Marines. <laughs> Yeah, they could have. I don't think uh, Cameron cared that much. Clearly not. That's which is another thing about the movie. Um, Sam Worthington, very middle of the road. So that leads me to this question uh, in my little trivia time. Well, actually, I'll lead off with this. James Cameron wanted an unknown actor to play Jake Sully, and Sam Worthington was living in his car at the time of his audition. Oh wow! Um, he wanted the character to have a real quality, the guy you want to have a beer with. Who becomes the leader who transformed the whole world? Um, 
I mean, that's not very relatable to me because I don't think that's ever happened once. But I respect it. I get what he means, like the everyman kind of thing. Um, you know, we see that in a lot of movies. And um, I understand what he went through. And I understand why they went with an unknown because uh, Matt Damon and Jake Gyllenhaal were the studio's first choices to play Sully. Oh, wow. Better movie. Is it a better movie if they get either of those guys? Matt Damon probably would have killed this role. It's it's it is him. It when you're looking at Sam Worthington, half the time I was thinking, why aren't you Matt Damon? Yeah, now that you say that, you could totally have played that role. If it, it killed it, it feels so much like a Matt Damon role. I think, and Sam Worthington kind of looks like Matt Damon a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. It's they had the right co- choice too, and James Cameron. It's I think it's a better movie. Mm. Honestly, give it to Sam Worthington. He was he was in his car at the time. I mean, oh no, g- great for him. Yeah, he's in the highest grossing movie of all time. Fantastic yeah, him for him. You think he's taking points on the second one off the box office? He wants points on that. Mm, I don't know. Enough people in China went to see this the, the movie again that it passed Endgame. Like, he's looking at that international box office right now and thinking, mm, I can do pretty well. Yeah, he might be set for life, though. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. Um, he's probably set for life, but... Yeah. He's, uh, the, what do you think the residuals on Avatar look like? Oh, my God. So much. Um... I thought Saldana was great. She yeah. was, I mean, she was fantastic in it. We Stephen never actually Lang, saw her face. So. No, you didn't. But And we're never going to see it in these movies. Uh, what if in one of them they switch an avatar into a human body? Oh, man. It's going to be like Shrek. Oh, I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when Shrek turns into a real man. Oh, no. Oh, God um that's i mean if there's gonna be four more i bet that happens at some point <laughs> um let's see laz alonzo Tute, suits suits stay Sute? i don't know the guy who played mother's milk in the boys played the mean uh navi <laughs> he played the one who was a dick <laughs> oh oh that was him yeah oh wow yeah um yeah you get a lot to do yeah it's just that's my thing like with these performances like nobody's getting the best actor nom because they don't give anybody a lot to do they let it's technically a voice acting yeah well no they they did some motion cap they do mocap yeah they did uh, for all the movements yeah it was all mocap so does that count as acting i don't think so i don't don't think you, you could get an oscar nom or an award nomination for doing a motion capture um that's interesting i kind of lean towards maybe you should especially if they're doing like you know the dots on the face and they're getting your facial reactions oh i think that definitely should be an award for it but i i think like technically they can as of right now that's interesting i don't i yeah um because obviously andy circus should be getting some nominations for his his motion capture. everything ever um Yeah, there's no, I don't think there's any standout performances here. Um, no. it, Giovanni Ribsi was uh, not great. Ribisi, I didn't think he was even very good. 
He played uh, an average deck. I don't know. And I don't think he was even very good at that because I just think of him as like a super weird guy. And I don't think he pulled that off very well. But don't worry. He's coming back for Avatar 2. Oh, yeah. It's just uh, back for revenge. All right. You got any favorite scenes? Well, like we talked about, the training montage was incredible. Mm -hmm. Honestly, the whole first half is incredible. Um, Also, I really loved the night scene. I think when they first go to the tree of voices and all the glowy creatures are like surrounding them, that scene was very beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those like white, like almost like jellyfish like Not, not, Not the sex one. (laughs) <laughs> no that was a little weird you did not enjoy the love making scene well at least they faded out for most of it but you saw those tails connect <laughs> you did oh, gives me the heebie jeebies yeah a little shivers oh god um any other what are the other you got any other standouts um no it's really just i just love all the world building that did i thought all the creatures were so unique too like you haven't mm-hmm. seen like anything even remotely similar to like the creatures he created for that whole world. Nope. It They're all fantastic. super unique. Yeah. Um, great and aliens. Just, yeah. Just the, the whole world building in general was just so well done. So original and so beautiful. Um, in terms of scenes I love, I mentioned the Banshee uh, scene, the, when he gets his Banshee, um, yep. the training montage, best part of the movie. Um in my opinion uh the destruction of the home tree when they launched the missiles and the bottom splintered mm. i just and he did that tight zoom in on it i thought that looked awesome I it looked yeah the fire was really well done and the explosion the, effects the smoke it looked fantastic like all and obviously this is all going to be visual stuff none of it there's no like oh this really standout acting dialogue scene because there are none um yeah but and then the other thing I really wanted to uh, highlight was uh, the when he goes after the big banshee. I liked the voice. I really did like the Sam Worthington. Like uh, he's the biggest thing in the air. Why would he look up? And then they show him jumping down and cut to black, and then he's just on it. I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was, had, that was one where I kind of fist bumped. He had a couple one liners in there that were pretty good. Yeah, I kind of I gave myself I gave a little fist pump right there. I was like, let's ride. Yeah. <laughs> um the action was cool at the end. There the fighting was awesome. Yeah. Um one thing I don't understand though is when the helicopters were coming around to like and they're to like gas them out of the trees and they were shooting the arrows at the windows then and they were just bouncing off. Mm-hmm. But then in the final scene, they were getting straight through there. What changed? Oh, you're right. Yeah. I wonder I was, if uh, the Teary has uh, special arrows or something. I don't know. Michelle Rodriguez got smoked so fast. She did. She took it like I, a champ. She did. She she was cool about it, but man, it was quick. She came in and had like 20 seconds of like hero time and then blew up. I love how calm she was. She was like, oh, I'm going down. That's it for me. <laughs> she said, my, she was like, sorry, Jake, and then exploded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she gave no fucks. It was insane. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, the ending, and I thought the ending was great. The eyes opening. It's I- it was iconic. Out. It's an iconic ending. Yeah. So, you know, it's a good thing. I hope he doesn't ruin it, like make four sequels or something, you know? <laughs> um. 
All right, what? Were you what? So I'm hyped for those sequels, man. Yeah, no, there's. A, I'm going to go see them, and I'm going to buy the exclusive Avatar popcorn tub that they're going to have. And <laughs> you I think? Know I said, uh, what? Well, I was, first I was going to add on to that. It's going to be the 5D glasses or whatever technology is going to create with this movie. Um, is it going to be like the Disney? Uh, Disney parks shows that like the Muppets ones where they'll spray you with water. <laughs> yeah, the seats are gonna move, the oh air blowing on you. He Jay, like he's getting the studio to pay to renovate these theaters so they'll shake. It's gonna be a full 360 screen, so it's all around you. <laughs> um it's gonna be like those universal park rides where it's like the Spider-Man one where it's taking you from room to room, <laughs> yeah, like sending you up in the air and down. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Amusement park ride. I'm I'm interested to see what he's gonna do because I'm sure. I mean, I'm not gonna not see a James Cameron movie. I mean, do you think that? Let's just say, just talk about Avatar two for now. Do you think Avatar two is gonna make even remotely close to what Avatar made, box office wise, in a non-COVID time? Uh, it's such a great question. I think op- they'll have similar openings. And then, if it's if it would not if COVID was not a factor, and it's no dual release or anything, similar openings. If it's better, it'll pass it. If it's mm. worse, it won't. And if it's a lot, or if it's honestly, if it's not even that much worse, it might not even really touch it because I think I don't think it's a story people are very invested in. I think it's the visuals that people are very invested in. I have a couple friends that actually were like really into the world of Pandora and like have Blu-rays with like bonus content and director cuts and stuff. Like there are some people super into that world, but it's not like a Lord of the Rings or a Star Wars. Uh, I don't think anybody's like interested in it. Like even Alien people like the prequel people are fine with the prequels for that and the sequels for that because they want to see more of the xenomorphs and they want to know more about them because it's an interesting alien but yeah v i think are like people think of just kind of as people and don't really need to see more of yeah like the reason this first one did so well is because of the new technology and everyone's just so blown away by it that's why it did so well exactly and there, there it was nothing we had ever seen before but now i mean we just saw Avengers Endgame was the last movie that I'm sure a lot of people saw in theaters and I mean that was a huge CGI spectacle at the end that looked pretty good and was another movie like that that you know filled the screen with interesting stuff to look at yeah so yes, we'll um, see he's gonna have to really blow us away at this next one I mean yeah people are used to having interesting stuff to look at at the very minimum yeah and the whole like, and it, and he's definitely not going to get by on the like. Yeah, they did that all on a computer, because <laughs> we see that every day. Oh, fun fact for you and the audience: uh, the VFX team was nine hundred people, I think, worked on Avatar, and they created ten terabytes of data every day, which is insane, especially for two thousand nine. You just reminded me to. I mean, that I did not know the ten terabytes of data thing. That's actually crazy. And I also read that they had to have a network of water pipes running around the render farm to keep it cool because it's just so hot. I completely forgot about that, but I remembered it right when you said water pipes. It's ridiculous. Um, All right. 
Um, I have two more trivia things and then we can wrap up because you just reminded me I need to finish that off. Uh, first one, some of the CGI scenes took an average of 47 hours to render. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yep. Um, and then this is mostly one because I like Jurassic Park. Most of the animal noises heard are recycled dinosaur noises from Jurassic Park. Notably no the way. Raptors. Yep. Wow. I wonder yep. if he had to like hit up Spielberg for that. I'd be like, hey, can I see uh, this? I'm sure Spielberg loves to know that he's still getting credit in movies and <laughs> is like, yes, I am the most influential filmmaker of all time. You can use my, ju-, you know, um, Very true. That, that joke is that all directors have big egos. Um, and so uh, what's your just overall final thoughts on the movie? Yeah, I mean, watching it again for all the way through, I loved it, man. It, was, it felt like an experience. Obviously not like the first time seeing it in theaters and not in 3D, but I loved it all the way through. I mean, yeah, the story got basic a little bit towards the end and a little one-dimensional, but I was fine with it because I was just so blown away by the visuals again. And it's just such an awesome action-adventure movie just to watch. It's great. I gave it an 8 out of 10. And so I'm taking you recommend it too. To anybody that might not have seen it 100 if you haven't seen this movie you're not going to get the experience that we all did in theaters but it's still worth a watch i mean t- there's big tv t's now tvs now man yeah get the the nice next uh 4k tv get some nice speakers turn off all the lights and watch that bad boy um so i uh i recommend it for sure um but i said uh, you know, it's a story that we have seen before, and it's a he's it's kind of a retreading of tropes, and it's a retreading of tropes that even uh, Cameron has done before. Um, but I mean, you know, it's a top tier Cameron movie still. I mean, there's it, it's uh, the highest grossing movie of all time for a reason. It's not the best movie ever made, but it's one of the best visually ever made. I've I've am pretty confident in saying that, and it's one of the most innovative ever made and it will in the future in terms of technology that will be made uh to use to make movies for the next 50 years it's going to be one of the most influential um technology and techniques and stuff and um i mean yeah it's a recommend if you are trying to if you want to watch an entertaining movie if you want to see cool action scenes um if you want to throw something on in the background that you can look up at and say, Hey, that's really cool. And then go back to whatever you're doing. Um, and I'll say, if you're scared by the two hour, 50 minute runtime, at least for me, it blew by. It was not an issue for me. It did not feel like a three hour long movie. Uh, yeah. I felt, I felt it a little bit more, but um, you know, that, I, I, that all has to, I, mean, I, I was still sucked into it the whole time. Yeah, but um, yeah, I gave it a six out of ten just because some stuff with Sam Worthington that I don't necessarily love and some uh, plot stuff that I don't necessarily love. But I mean, that's still like a it's a rewatchable rating for me. You know, I got movies that I love that I would rate a six out of ten. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, so Jacob, you are going on vacation next week. Going to good old Wyoming. We've done one episode and he's already got to take a break. Um, Think of as a Kanye. Yeah. 
the next pod that we're going to do is it's actually going to be the next whole month. We're going to try and do monthly themes. And since we are both uh, movie dorks and we are obsessed with a 24, uh, September is a 24 month. And yep. our f- first poll is for the movies are probably going to come up uh, around Friday or Saturday. And the way this one is going to work is we're going to start with four movies and the winner will obviously be taken off the next week's poll and then we'll replace it with another. So the movies we are going with for the first week are mid nineties, X Machina, Lady Bird and Uncut Gems. So go ahead and be thinking about what you want to vote for. Um, It'll be on Twitter too. It will be on Twitter at ABC Movie Show. Um, shout out to Album Book Club Magazine for letting us use their brand to promote this and to spread the good gospel of the film industry. Jacob, you got anything left for the people? Uh, Evanson, no, Evanson, Evanson plug? Evanson? Yeah, Evanson, good old Evanson. Oops, Evanson. Check out uh, Evenson on uh, Spotify and Apple Music. He is a very talented artist, and I've been directing all his music videos recently. They're all on YouTube. You can go check them out. Yep, definitely need to check it out. Uh, Jacob's camera work is fantastic. He's a fantastic director. Uh, it's really dope stuff. Appreciate that. All right, Jacob, I'll see you next time. Yeah, until next time. All right, all right. thanks for listening, everybody. Peace. Thank you.